2: coach jen here and thanks for tuning in to the horses in the morning show for june 14th 2022 the endurance episode karen and glenn are off today so we dug back into the archives for an episode we thought you might enjoy this time karen has a good chuckle over a list of things that only endurance riders know and then we get to know trilby peterson a woman who has ridden the equivalent of one quarter of the way to the moon And then Nick Warhol tells us the harrowing tale of how his horses were poisoned by something called common ground soul. A little fun, plus a little education in this one. We'll be back in July with a brand new endurance episode for you. If you want to hear all of the past episodes, go to Horsesofthemorning.com and click on the endurance banner
0: in the middle of the page. Now tuck in your earbuds and enjoy. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida.
3: And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 9th, episode 1,356. This episode is brought to you by the American Endurance Ride Conference. Good morning, horse
2: world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an don't endurance rider.
4: Me Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be
1: by myself in the east
0: That's right, everybody. It is that time of the month again. That time of the month where we talk endurance riding, long distance riding, sore butts. That's right. (laughs) It is that time of the month. And of course, we welcome Karen back here the second Tuesday of every month. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. It's good to talk to you again. And uh, we got lots to talk about in today's show. But uh, you and you you have you been riding at all or you just it's just a nightmare. Not
3: a whole lot. Just gosh, we've had so much mud. We're actually having a real winter finally for the first time in a few years. And so it is just a muddy mess with, you know, snow and then it melts and then it freezes. So everything that that melts where the horses have walked freezes up every night and turns into like a little ice skating rink (laughs) and then it thaws out again. But yes, the horses definitely need to start getting worked because they're getting bored. Bo's been letting himself out of the stalls. And so I'm having to clip (laughs) them with clips on the latches or he will let himself out and, you know, to feed them. If I'm like even five minutes late.
0: (laughs) Well, we, uh, (laughs) We I saw that they had another storm in the Northeast with another six eight inches and wow. uh, due for another one tomorrow. So they're all buried in snow, waiting for it to melt. Uh, they're waiting for the bud.
3: And you're just uh, and you're down there in Florida. Oh, it's been where freezing
0: it's, here. It's been has the, it
3: really? Yeah, wow.
0: We actually have been in the thirties at night. And uh, yesterday, I think the high was like fifty uh, something.
3: Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. And I, and I know down in Southern California, some of the areas down there are reaching like the mid 80s.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're warmer like, than us right now. Yeah. I'm not complaining though. I'll still wow. take our 50s over your uh, 35 and mud hole.
3: I know. I know. It's a mess. I'll it is a mess.
0: I'll, I'll take it any day. So we're thinking about all you in the, in the middle part of the country, in the Northeast, who are out shoveling this morning and uh, our thoughts. Now, you can, you can bust our chops when it's the middle of summer and it's 100 degrees. <laughs> I
3: know. We all get our turns. Yeah,
0: 2,000% humidity. We're, we, you know, this is one thing we enjoy this time of year is no humidity. It's so nice, and then you kind of forget what humidity's like, and then and then March and April back. hit. Yeah, that's right.
1: Ooh, and yeah. Then by
0: May, it's like oh god. So we all, you're right. Every area has its thing. <laughs> well, Jennifer, what is coming up on today's show?
2: Coming up on today's endurance episode, brought to you by the AERC. We've got a list of things that only endurance riders know. You know, there's going to be some sarcasm there. And then Trilby Peterson is going to stop by for a chat. One of the longest distance riders around. And Nick Warhol has some important information about a common weed
5: that could be toxic to your horse. So stay tuned for the Friday folks.
0: Thank you very much, Jennifer. Well, um, we have a couple of things to talk about before we get on with the endurance tip of today. And one of them is something going on uh, with the FEI again. Uh, so explain this. I have saw a couple of petitions going around on Facebook and some talk. So what's the There story?
3: is, you know... And I don't follow it all that closely, just because it is kind of a depressing topic. You know, we don't want to.
0: And it's talk more on the FEI side, where too much. It's you all on ride. the FEI yeah.
3: side with, y- y- you know, the the region seven or whatever they call it. Uh, uh, um, in regards to horse abuse, they had a, uh, some rides recently where there was video taken that shows that, that they were, um, you know beating on the horses and not following all the rules and they did end up getting fined quite a bit and now there's a petition
0: and this is um, the uae uae
3: yes trying to get the the world endurance championship moved from next december from dubai to get it moved elsewhere they're that people are asking FEI to do that. And and I don't even know if that's something that's even possible to do or not. But but I did go and, and sign the petition uh, and ask that they move it to a country that's not, you know, being charged with those kinds of you, you know uh, the criticism with with the how they treat their horses
0: well and they were suspended for a while and then reinstated mm-hmm. um, because of those problems and I, I did see that what the board of the American Endurance Ride Conference has asked the United States Equestrian Federation not to send an endurance team
3: they sure. did yes there's there's a letter that's um, how much
0: po- how much going. played or how much influence? rather, does the AERC, the American Endurance Ride Conference, have over the USEF?
3: You know, I'm not really sure. You know, that's always one of the controversies is, do we stay involved so that we can contribute and have a positive influence, or do we just completely withdraw yeah, and let them do are, their own thing. You
0: guys are kind of in the same boat. The the uh, the American Endurance Ride Conference is kind of in the same boat as the American Driving Society. It also is kind of the the entity that handles the rules and everything for driving mm-hmm. for the USEF. So it's 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 always been an interesting, you know, situation between the USEF and uh, and the conferences or associations. Sure, yeah. right. Because they have right. to kind of play the political game over at the USEF, uh, uh, you know, because they, you know, they answer to the FEI. So right,
3: and and it yeah. gets complicated, and it and it really isn't fair for our riders that get put in the middle of it. You know, the ones that just want to represent the United States or you know ride at that level, they get placed in the middle and and you know it's like people want to blame them as if they have anything to do with it just because they want to participate you know so i totally understand how it's not fair for them you you know but we also don't want to be um shown to the rest of the world as participating or having anything to do with any anything that involves uh, Y- you know stuff like horse abuse. So yeah, what? Do you, and, and yeah. In case
0: anybody's you know not not aware or hasn't kept up on it, there was uh, uh, five riders that were disqualified for beating their mounts, and were they all they were all from that area, um, right? And, and that was a fined, video, right? That was a video that went viral.
3: Yes, and they were fined like a hundred thousand dollars each.
0: And and then they've had problems too with the speeds being too too high and having many catastrophic injuries, many horses dying. Uh, right. And, you know, just not, just generally not caring about the horses was part was part of the big, biggest part of the problem.
3: Right, and that's not what you know American endurance riding is about at all here in this country. You know, and I would it's... say
0: most countries.
3: Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the rest right. of the world, for the most part, yeah. for sure. I know.
0: Well, I do know. you think? Well, you know, it can't hurt to sign a petition, right? At least it shows that there is some support. The, the USEF has to look at that and go, okay. You know, there is some support. Exactly. There. It's not going to mean a thing to the FEI. Uh, it might mean something to the federate the the country federations. Right. Uh,
3: at that point. Right. Yeah. And the rest, yeah, like you said, the rest of the world feels as we do, that we really don't, we definitely don't want to support or or be seen as supporting this kind of behavior at all in any way. And, and we don't here in, in the United States. That's why we have mm-hmm. all the rules and the veterinary oversight and all of that kind of stuff that we do on the rides here. So... And they're uh,
0: supposed th- to have that on the rides there, but that's been another issue is the vet's not, you know, just letting things slide and... Uh, that's that's exactly. a whole other issue,
3: yeah. Right, and and like the video shows, it shows that they're blatantly, you know, disrespecting the rules. They're, you know, they're wearing spurs. They're beating the horses. All these things that are not allowed.
0: And they can get away with it in their own country, obviously, because it's
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, it's, right.
0: It's kind of a dictatorship. So, it, uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, oh, by the way, they're involved. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, anyway, well, that's the petition is there, and uh, we'll post a link to it on, on our Facebook page as well. Now, um, what else is going on in the world of endurance right now? Not a lot, because not really. Just, everybody's Florida's starting started to
3: yet get started back up. People are just starting to get riding again. It's going to be a little slower going this year in the. I think, in the western part of the country because we are having a real winter. So, that's going to make things a little more interesting
0: have for the, us. Uh, I know that uh, that the endurance riders here in Florida, obviously, have been out riding. Are uh, Those will be starting up here soon, too, right? Or have started.
3: Well, I think they're, right. yes, they're yeah. like in The middle of their season, just right. because they've probably been riding,
0: you know, you could just do what all the other endurance riders do and come to a <laughs> in the winter. It's just you know, there you months. go, Let's get off the mountain over there in the west, and come on down and join the rest of us in flat country.
3: I know, flat country and sand,
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. No <laughs> mud then, here,
3: but you have. Bugs and you have not so much
0: this time of year. You know, the oh, okay. snakes aren't too bad. The alligators are kind of quiet.
3: That's alligators. Yeah, yeah. they're <laughs> kind of quiet
0: this time of year. You don't have to worry about them. It's all and good.
3: Hurricanes, <laughs> tropical storms.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not this time of year. This time of year, that's why everybody comes here in the winter. Okay. We're okay. all good. A little chilly, but that's okay. Right. It's yeah, I would for probably,
3: birds. you know, trade a tropical storm for a blizzard.
0: <laughs> and were you proud of thunder? on sunday yeah
3: wasn't that cool i I just love when you see these arabians going out and doing so good because everybody wants to pick on our poor little arabs and they're great horses they they handle stuff so well i mean look how good our group of arabians did in the rose parade they were awesome
0: that's right yeah, you know, and, and uh, you would have, you probably looking at that immediately would not have picked uh, Thunder out to be an Arab. But uh, she's used Arabs for, for all of them. All the That's Thunders the, have been.
3: That's the third one. Yeah, the yes, third the third one. Thunder. Was the this Polish. the older
0: one she used? I know she has two. She has a younger one and an older one. Thunder two and three. Do, do you know which one she used I think- on Sunday? I what we're talking about is the Denver mascot during the Super Bowl game. For those right, that the Denver Broncos <laughs> mascot, Thunder.
3: Thunder yeah, yep. but that's so cool to get. To, I mean, wow, what a neat thing to get to to do. To you know, in front of that large of a stadium filled with that many people.
0: I mean, wow, hundreds of millions watching at home. Uh, exactly yeah Yeah, it was very cool we we played an interview we had done with her we did an interview with 2014 and we played at the end of yesterday's show so if anybody hasn't had a chance to listen to monday's show it'll be at the end and it was really cool about her actually in the first super bowl she she went in with uh, okay one of her thunders so very cool lady
3: yes and i shared a video on my uh, facebook wall the other day of the horse backstage and he's just Standing there calm and cool as could be, just, you know, been there, done that kind of a horse, which is sort of cool.
0: Very good. Well, our tip, endurance tip of the month, tell us about that.
3: Well, I thought I would do just something kind of fun. I would do a list of things only distance riders know. And I borrowed this from Chris Littlefield, who adapted it from a runner friend of hers. So we will just get through as many of these as we have time for. And I will start with the first one. Your laundry has more sports (laughs) bras than regular bras and more riding tights than jeans or dress slacks.
0: Oh, and just to follow up, uh, April says that she believes she used the third Thunder because they were talking about how Thunder 2 would join them in the parade if they won. So there you go. Oh, cool. Okay. (laughs) And I think a Third Thunder was the older one. Uh, so, all right. Sorry about that.
3: No, that's okay. I, you know, I, I have to say, though, I did appreciate how clean the horse was. You know, now that I've done this parade thing, and how much work is involved in getting a gray horse that clean. It's true. It's, it's a lot of work. It's true. And that horse was spotless. It was... Totally, completely just as clean and shiny as could be. I think so she buys this. one
0: of those car buffers, you know, the, uh, that, uh, <laughs> on the, the motorized thing and just buffs them down. That's what I no think. No kidding. Because
3: yeah. yes, <laughs> getting a great horse like that, that, you know, clean is just, it's not as easy as you would think. You just see the end result, but you don't realize, you know, how much effort went into that.
0: All right. Things so, only distance riders know.
3: Okay, you've woken up at 5 AM to beat the heat and humidity in the summertime or in Florida all the damn time. <laughs> yes, I did that this morning, my husband's stupid smartphone. Cause I I like to set two alarms to make sure I don't, you know, sleep through the show. <laughs>
0: It went off at four o'clock. <laughs> well, you were plenty away. no wonder you were so awake so, when I called you this morning. Yes,
3: I was plenty wide awake. Yeah, you're, was...
0: you're usually sleepy. You're usually like just waking up and you oh, need you your know, coffee. And... I need
3: my coffee. Yeah. I'm still on my second cup of coffee. So, but today, no, I've been up for hours
0: <laughs> already. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. So the next one, your allegiance to one saddle and pad is stronger than Cinderella's to her glass slipper.
0: I imagine you guys do get bonded with your saddle, don't you? literally (laughs) spend enough time in it you would have to have a favorite i mean you would it's like having a comfy pair of shoes right
3: exactly you're always
0: wearing your favorite pair of shoes because they're your favorite pair of shoes
3: well exactly you know and we wear stuff and use things way beyond their expiration dates (laughs) we're all guilty of that i think especially endurance riders Okay, some parts of the world consider beer to be an appropriate swap for Gatorade. You agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, after you've been in the saddle for 10 hours, a good beer, a good cold beer.
3: Exactly, exactly. Now, do you guys
0: carry like the Fox Hunters do? Do you carry little flasks? You know, I, you know, you know some with, writers uh, do. Oh, really?
3: <laughs> I, I think, yes, yes. So uh, I'm I'm sure some do and some don't, you know. Some wait till they're finished riding because you don't want to, you know, accidentally miss the trail or get do you lost. Potato has a
0: flask. I'm just asking.
3: I don't know. He he might. <laughs> he might. I've heard that's how he electrolytes his horse. You know. Oh really? He
0: just, <laughs> a little bourbon. You know, him.
3: makes <laughs> makes the mash. He, a beer into the, the horse's mash and, <laughs> and e- I don't know. Does that work? Well, I don't know. A lot of
0: racehorses drink a beer a day. So, you know, it might be something. Do that. they? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of racehorses. I wonder ones. if uh, that's something that would drug test or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do I'm totally going to be-
2: Beaker a beer this weekend. I'm totally doing it.
0: What? Doing what?
2: I'm totally giving be- Beaker a beer this Didn't weekend. Didn't we I try and do eat. that
0: before and he actually, he actually drank it?
2: I don't remember but We're going. There. All right,
0: we're going to try. It. <laughs> we'll we'll video funny. it and see how Beaker likes beer. Scooter would probably like it, although he probably you
2: know like... going to like a beer, Glenn. I know. It's it's the new brown horse is going to like a beer. Yeah, I can guarantee
0: it. Scooter would oh. probably be more of a martini pony. I would.
3: <laughs> 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 or maybe a margarita. <laughs> I can see Bo
0: going for more. Of the, you know, the whiskey. You know, uh, going more whiskey. But,
3: Just anything to get them over Cougar Rock, right?
0: (laughs) All right. Things only distance riders know. Okay.
3: And properly worn undergarments will make you walk funnier than after riding 100 miles. (laughs) Oh, dear. I noticed you're not Uh,
0: offering any examples there. You're just going to continue on after that one.
3: Right. (laughs) Training in sand, rain, heat, snow, etc., is to you what chocolate cake was to the boy in Matilda. You may not be enjoying the terrain or weather, but damn it if you're not going to do it anyway. That's kind of true. And you probably have very strong opinions about AERC, FEI, and FEI International.
0: (laughs) As we were just discussing at the beginning of the show.
3: Exactly. Just go look at Facebook and you can see all the different opinions. Uh, Let's see. A manicurist has raised her eyebrows at the state of your hands, but you told her to leave the calluses there. You need those. (laughs) <laughs> very true very true uh you know how to tape and ride with blisters
0: everywhere blisters everywhere
3: definitely or even with a broken bone or two <laughs> <laughs> i know a lot of people that have done endurance rides with various injuries and we don't let that did they, sort they start of off with us. the injuries
0: or they finish with the injuries
3: oh i've done both
0: <laughs> You got to get back, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. Well, the worst, I think, really is when you have broken ribs and you can hear oh, them crunching uh, and grinding together uh, when you're trotting uh, down. Oh. Uh,
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know. That's the that's the worst. Okay. You can pee off the side of the trail in less than a minute, two minutes if your horse joins in. You <laughs> may have tried doing this off the side of your saddle or worse, on your saddle. <laughs>
0: You know, we do forget about the fact that you guys have to go to the bathroom out there.
3: Yes, in some rides there's not always appropriate cover yeah, for doing yeah, that.
0: you're in the middle of the desert. On some of your rides, it's wide open for a hundred miles. Right. Yeah.
3: It's a long way and and pretty soon your your standards
0: They <laughs> <laughs> they lessen, Change. Yeah, they lessen. You know, yeah.
3: you're pretty soon you're fine, you know. You you're okay with a six inch bush. <laughs> Whereas before, you wanted it to be, you know, Yeah, I imagine on your first
0: couple of rides, you're like holding it for hours.
3: You do. And you learn to do that. You know, you learn to be like, oh, I've only got another 10 or 15 miles to go. No big deal.
0: You know. Okay, I'm going to ask because I'm going to ask because I have to. And other (laughs) listeners are thinking, do any of them wear adult diapers? Do any of them wear? Uh,
3: I think probably some do
0: that'd be tough to ride in those though wouldn't it
3: it would be yeah, yeah you wouldn't want to have to do that for long I've
0: never done that but no it'd be uncomfortable and how would they fit under your tight uh, uh, your tight riding reaches
3: you know I don't know they um they have different you know they're getting more and more um, improved 'Cause I've seen the ads where they have like a sports mom. I think <laughs> Jennifer
0: mark version. that down. We need to get adult diapers on as a sponsor. Uh. <laughs> oh,
3: well, you know, the you the no demographic <laughs> show endurance writers are aging, aging. The average age now is over fifty. <laughs> there you so. go. There
0: you go. Same yeah, with the, the drivers too. We got the same problem. So yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah,
3: wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my gosh can we okay, also getting- look at
0: who else advertises with the AERP? maybe we can get them on as sponsors <laughs> you know the creams and the drugs and the <laughs> <laughs> there you go huh? so yesterday Jamie starts out the show J- Jamie starts out the show with tubers on penises and look where we're at today this show is just something else this week
3: <laughs> right, oh dear yeah, we're supposed to be talking about horses isn't that supposed to be the topic <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! Okay, let's see the next one. Getting the little nod of approval from the vet is enough to make you feel as if you're the winner, no matter the placing.
0: There you go. Exactly. I've made it. My vet. Va- my horse is healthy. I'm good to go.
3: Exactly. That's all. At the end of the day, that's what matters the most. And they were wrong. Money can buy happiness. You can buy carbs, beer, wine. <laughs>
0: Is it like the drivers where there's a little alcohol in the camp at night?
3: I probably. Yeah, yeah that's probably safe to say, especially with the Nevada riders.
0: <laughs> well, it is a party state, so.
3: Yes, it is. <laughs> we we definitely have the 24/7 open casinos and and bars and restaurants and 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 all of that kind of thing. So, uh yeah. <laughs> and there is always that one person you can rely on to encourage you to go the
0: distance. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Exactly. You can do it. Right. You're bleeding <laughs> profusely. From-
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the emergency room's going to be open <laughs> later. They'll later. be there.
1: <laughs> That's right.
3: No, just finish the ride and then go. <laughs> They'll. There'll be room. There'll be a parking spot for you. <laughs> you know? We we like to joke, uh, my friends and I, that we have our um, reserved parking spots at the emergency room <laughs> 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 for the ones of us that have been there, you know, get often enough. I
0: Excited too. I always say a uh, piece of advice I give people, horse husbands especially, because I've I've done this one, um, is that when your when your significant other gets hurt, oh even if you're driving them in, always call ahead to the emergency room and say that they had a horse accident because they bring you right in. There's no waiting. Oh okay. As, yeah, as soon as you say there's a horse accident, they get really excited. So <laughs> you just call ahead and say, Yep, she had a horse accident and they're waiting there with a stretcher. <laughs> so that's my piece of advice for the day.
3: Oh boy. Yes. <laughs> Well, the worst part I have found is when you're wearing a sports bra, and they think they need to take it off of you. Oh,
0: so they just cut it off.
3: <laughs> well, that would be the nice way to do it. Oh, the, the way you don't want them <laughs> is to try to pull it off yeah, over your head. Over your head. Assuming you um, have a shoulder injury, <laughs> or
0: broken five ribs, yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> that's been there, done that. It's like just cut it off.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have time for today. This was things okay. endurance riders know from uh, Chris Littlefield, and uh, that's very good. That's a very good adaptation. And I think every. I actually think every discipline could come up with their own list there. Uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Now, you had a chance to catch up with uh, Distance Depot, right? Yes, with Kristen. All right, Kristen from Distance Depot. And then we're coming back with a guest who has ridden 18,000 miles. Well, actually. On one horse. On one horse, 18,000 miles, but a total of 60,000 plus miles. That's a lot of miles. We'll be right back.
3: Good morning, Kristen. Thank you for joining us.
6: Hi, Karen. Nice to be here.
3: Well, today, let's talk about some of the new products that you're going to be offering for sale. Let's start with the Ariat boots.
6: Okay. There is a brand new boot to the market. In fact, it won't even become available until um, the first part of March, but we're very excited. We are going to have this boot, um, a sample of each style um, and color at the um, American Endurance Riding Conference in Reno so it will be We'll be taking pre-orders for this boot. It's pretty exciting. Um, it's called the um, Women's Max Track um, UL, which stands for Ultra Light. It's available in black and taupe, and it has um, it, it really has been designed for the endurance rider, whereas in the footbed, the, the amazing Ariat technology in their footbed, which is always fabulous, but they've actually taken it a step further with this boot, and um, they have made the Area right across the ball of your foot a bit wider in the shock absorption, so better um, weight distribution across the ball of your foot, which will make riding long distances um, much more comfortable. If someone hasn't had an Ariat boot before, these are going to be um, the go-to boot. They also have um, they're very um, because they're lightweight, they're very breathable, so um, they have a mesh um, on the outside of the boot, which makes it. You know, air is able to flow and keep you comfortable. And it has a really cool stretch lace. Sometimes, you know, you have a fit with your shoelaces coming untied. This is a stretch one with a built-in toggle oh, lace holder, which is really cool because then your shoelaces aren't coming undone and you don't have to <laughs> mess with the zipper and and all of that good, fun stuff. But very, very nice that it's a new endurance type boot for trail riders.
3: They sound great. Yeah. Great. Well, since we're talking about writer items, let's go ahead and also mention the new, some of the new carrots.
6: Yeah, exactly. Well, a lot of writers are familiar with their ice sleeves. They've come out with some new colors instead of white. White gets a little, you know, white is a tricky color for some of us. Um, mm-hmm. color, but they have a nice pink and a blue and a gray, so that's fun. Um a couple of the other things are more geared towards spring. Um, we have a very famous, um, you know, riders like their ice fill tanks, their ice fill technology, which, which keeps you cool while you're riding. And it's a very cute design this year for spring. It has cute horses on it <clears throat> and very lightweight and breathable to keep you comfortable. It also comes in a short sleeve shirt, um, which is really fun. Um, and they have introduced a new, their, their regular flow rise height, which many of your riders may know about. But they have mm-hmm. some new animal prints this season for spring, which are really fun. There's a, a gray animal print and a blue. It's almost, I want to say, looks similar to maybe a um, sort of a tiger stripe. But a lot of fun, and I think a lot of the tights and, and rider equipment in the endurance um, market is always geared towards fun, bright colors. And
3: uh-huh.
6: yeah, a little different than black and gray, you know. So.
3: Right. I'm liking bright. those tights that I'm looking at of on your website pretty, right now. They're yeah. kind of cool looking.
6: They are pretty snazzy. We also have a, um, we brought in a, a breakaway stretch vest, which will tie in all of the carrots gear ties in together. So the prints and the solids all match. They always do a very good job with their, um, with their prints and, and colors so that you can mix and match tops and pants. Um, I see
3: that they've got a headband. Is that something do. you can wear underneath a helmet?
6: Absolutely, yes. And it's oh, made good. out of that same great ice fill technology so to help you keep cool. Um, yeah, and it's so thin and comfortable. We've all tried them on. We're, we've decided we want one even though it's still very much winter here in Missouri. <laughs> um, we've all put our bids in for one for this spring because they're going to be really nice under our helmets.
3: And speaking of helmets, tell us about the new uh, Troxel Fallon helmet.
6: Yes. um, Troxel has put out um, a very fun um, helmet, and Fallon Taylor, who is a world champion barrel racer, she is um, trying to support ending the stigma against wearing a helmet across all disciplines, which is always a really great thing when riders take that on, I think. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, So
6: we've brought in these fun helmets. Um, They have... They're a glossy black, and then they have different, um, I guess, patterns on them. There's a rave splatter, a tie-dye, pink bandana, snow leopard, and a turquoise Aztec. So lots of great um, um, new designs, just fun, bright colors, and we all know how the trail riders like that. So, yes, I
3: I'm liking those. Those are. I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot of those on the trail.
6: <laughs> yes, they have a great dial fit system, so they'll fit a wide variety of heads and and um, really nice features to them. We'll have some of these out at the AARC convention as well. So, stop by if you're there and come and take a look. And if not, look online and um, check them out. They're pretty cool.
3: And what's your website address?
6: We are www. TheDistanceDepot.com.
3: Terrific. Well, thank you, Kristen, for joining us today and telling us about all of these great new products.
6: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
3: Well, next up, we have Trilby Peterson. Trilby is one of the uh, longest or farthest riders as far as riding the most in our sport, 60,725 miles of endurance rides. She also has one of the highest mileage horses of all time, Rush Creek Lad, and she has just literally done just about everything in this sport. Back in 1985, Trilby rode over 7,000 miles in one year, including 28 one-day hundreds. So, welcome, Trilby. Good morning. How are you?
4: Good morning. I'm fine.
0: Do you know? I just figured it out. You you have ridden a quarter of the way to the moon.
4: Oh dear. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow. Well, Tril- Trilby, let's let's start out. Let's talk a little bit about what did you do before you started endurance riding.
4: Um. I first got my horse at 48 years old. Wow. So that's when I started at 48.
3: That's amazing. That's amazing. And tell us, I was told to ask about your horse named Ringo. Tell us about Ringo.
4: That was my first horse. He was a thousand pound, uh, Appaloosa. And, uh, Certainly um, not the uh, normal endurance type, but um, the reason I selected him is because I wanted to um, be in the Indian costume class at the Cow Palace showing um, the Appaloosa as purse, um, tribe um, costume, and and so on. And so he was like um, my show parade horse.
3: And so then you got... How did you get interested in endurance riding?
4: I went to a track ride. Some people took me there. And um, <clears throat> I borrowed my daughter's horse. And um, I used to ride him in the mountains in the Santa Cruz... Her Ride her in the Santa Cruz Mountains during the week. And on the weekend, she took the horse, Tanqueray, to... Uh, the local little show. She was just a little girl at the time. And so my friend said, oh, you ought to come do this event. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I think what it is, is um, uh, I'm, if I remember correctly on that track, you start out with 100 points. And then as um, <clears throat> the date wears on, you... Um, <clears throat> Uh, gain or lose points, and I think I had a minus at the end of the day.
0: Uh We did everything
4: wrong. (laughs) They judge you on horsemanship, and it was a very awful trying experience. I didn't know anything, didn't do anything right. (laughs) And so um, eventually I did have to do that track, in order to um, gain my um, Chief Joseph Award, which in the Appaloosa world, you have to do 10 endurance rides and 10 nat track rides. And oh, okay. um, so I did do some nat track. But after that first experience, I then was told there was a, another um, kind of riding, which was endurance that wasn't quite so judgmental. And uh, I took up with it and loved it because people, judges were not hiding behind trees and and things, and that you were uh-huh. not judged on everything that you did and and said and whatever.
3: Right, right. And and so, tell us how you came to get Rush Creek Lad.
4: Um, I was riding... A little mare I had, and I went to this ride in Mendocino County. Um, I forgot who put it on, um, but um, um, everyone knows your name. I just can't remember. Um, and uh, the um, the vet wouldn't let me go out on the third loop. I- okay.
0: Nope. Did we lose her?
3: I think we might have. (laughs) I think
0: she hung up. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Jennifer, can you see if you can uh, round her up again? uh,
2: I can do that. I will see if I can't track her down on her way to the moon.
0: I don't know what happened there. Yeah, that's it. She got so far away; she lost single now.
3: Well, she's known for riding slow and in the back of the pack. So oh, is she? Hopefully, hopefully, we can catch up with her <laughs> <There> <laughs> before she gets too far away. Right.
0: Well, you know what? You, the turtle ends up getting the you know winning the race, <laughs> right? Because sixty thousand miles. You know, obviously she uh, she did something.
3: And she didn't start till like she said she was forty eight years old when she first got a horse.
0: Yeah. That is amazing, isn't because that amazing? She rode for for how many years? For years and years,
3: exactly. So, so. that's still that's just it's an incredible thing, and 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 yeah, she really rocked up those miles, and and she did a lot, and uh, I mean, it's you know, it's not even possible, I think, in this day and age to get seven thousand miles in one ride season.
0: We, um, I think, we have her back.
3: Are you back, Toby?
4: My electricity went out, and that's why it got fuzzy. (laughs) Where do you live? What do I do? No,
0: where do you live, though?
4: I live uh, in the outskirts of South San Jose. I have a mini ranch, and we're adjacent to the Quicksilver Park. But often, you know, I live in this barn. Often, uh, we lose our electricity.
0: You live in the barn?
4: Yeah, live upstairs. Like, um, um, oh my goodness, that gal from Texas.
0: So that's cool. I ha- we have actually the host of the Dressage Radio Show. She has an apartment right in the barn. So when you're over there visiting her, you can hear the horses eating and whinnying.
3: Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I live upstairs.
0: Yeah, can you hear the horses? Oh yes. Yeah. All- yeah. That's cool.
3: That's every endurance writer's dream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be able to have that. That's awesome. <laughs> Okay, so well, where were we, Glenn? What? what well, you did, asked
4: how I got involved in endurance. Oh, or right. How okay. I, how I found Rush Creek Land. That's well, anyway, right. Okay. I was on this Mendocino ride, and uh, Vet wouldn't let me go out because he felt that I didn't have enough time to finish. I think that was Edwards, and uh-huh. um, so I was very upset. I felt that I could complete. But anyway, so I just felt that I needed to have um, a little bit more assistance in training and um, in the competition field to understand, you know, why they wouldn't let me out. Jim Edwards, you know, wouldn't let me out. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, so I contacted Courtney, Courtney Hart. And asked if he would be my trainer. And um, as it was, he um, selected a um, horse for me, and that was Rush Creek Lad. And his owner, um, the people that own um, Rush Creek Land and Cattle, Cattle and Land Company, mm-hmm. um, Tom was having an operation and wasn't going to be able to ride for a while. So he decided that his good horse would be available. So that's how Courtney got the horse for me. And,
3: and how, how old was he when, when you got him? Seven. Okay. Good age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, what what are the things that you know? If you were to choose a, an endurance horse today, uh, what are the things that you would look for?
4: Um. Well, I'm sure there are lots of um. um Criteria.
1: Mm -hmm. But I
4: can remember uh, going over to Becky Hart and um, she had a horse and I was on my way out of town going to a ride and um, she presented this horse and trotted him by and I felt he had a kind eye and I bought him (laughs) without even getting on him. Uh-huh, so I've been known to do that, and he was a very special horse that was exclamation a that we called clay
3: the red horse and, yep uh-huh
4: and um was um, we had a marvelous team going
3: right I remember you rode clay at uh, fort She born when you so, reached fort fifty Shil-born,
4: thousand I got miles my
3: fifty thousand miles mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I remember that, and you were uh-huh. in your purple. <laughs> yeah, always. So, okay, so tell us just one more thing. What are what ride did you like the best that you ever did in endurance?
4: Well, um, Tevis was my very favorite. Mm-hmm. And for just a regular ride, fireworks was my favorite at-home ride.
3: Okay, which was close to where you are.
4: Fireworks is in Santa Cruz. Uh
3: huh. Uh-huh. Wow, wow. And I know you did a lot of traveling when you racked up all those miles back in the eighties. Um, what, why did you travel to, um, let's say, out of the rest of the country, out of California, that you liked the most?
4: Well, I was competing, and um, there was um, another competitor called Les Carr, and um, so we were going for it Uh that one particular year, and um, he cheated, and that's how he won, 50 miles over my my total miles.
3: But you guys both did just, I mean, it was incredible that you were able to ride... That many thousands of miles in one season—that's just.
4: Of uh, forty different horses.
3: Really? Wow.
4: Oh, yeah, I, I didn't hardly use land at all that year. Did you uh-huh. say
0: forty different horses? Yep. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Of See, Glenn, horses. we
3: can't make this stuff up. It <laughs> <never> <laughs> really happened.
0: <laughs> like forty it's different all horses.
2: Historical.
3: <laughs> Definitely, that was. Uh, I think that was came to be known as the Great Trailer Race. Could be, could be.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's you where did you a spent lot of, all of their time, in the trailer. Well, a yeah.
3: lot of traveling. And and thank goodness, back then, the cost of diesel and fuel was a lot less than it is today.
4: <laughs> well, probably, I think a lot of it was flying. And I was flying with my saddle.
0: Wow. So did you pick up rides? They weren't your horses. You were picking up rides from other people's horses?
4: Yes, I would lease a horse um, from either the ride manager or thereabouts. Okay. So I was riding strange
0: horses. What What was Other the weirdest, horses? what was the strangest thing that ever, well, okay, well, that, that leads to the next question. What was the strangest thing that ever happened to you on one of those strange horses during a ride?
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I remember one ride in Missouri, and i didn't find out till many years later i think that horse was under 5 years old uh-oh <laughs> yeah which was against the rules but you know i i don't know if everyone knew all the rules <laughs>
3: well i think days. they they wrote new rules after all of that
4: <laughs> they did they actually did and um, and then one time I got on a horse, I can't remember, it was in the south someplace, and he was just um, real unruly. I had to get off, and I can't remember if it was Crockett or someone else, got on him for a few minutes and calmed him down, and then um, I got on.
3: <laughs> uh-huh.
4: But it was the only... Um, wild experience I could remember.
3: (laughs) Wow. Well, are you still writing at all these days, Toby?
4: No, I'm 81. Oh, okay. And I have to marvel at Julie. She was just a beautiful star there um, at the Rose Bowl Parade. Uh I guess you were there, too. And um, I used to parade at Los Gatos, and I Uh did all of that for my club, Summit Writers, I was ahead of all of that. But anyway, I can appreciate all of that because I know that you have to get prepared and they judge like at nine and you don't go start your parade until one or two in the afternoon. And of course, you're usually the last ones because of the the, Mm -hmm. um, horse, the poop and everything, they want to sweep the streets.
3: Uh
0: Uh-huh. And I can
4: appreciate all that waiting and... Getting ready, right. costume, and all of that.
0: Do you um, do you still own any horses? Do you have any backyard horses?
4: Yeah, um, I have um, a, a ranch here, of about six acres, and um, have about fifteen horses. And I've rescued several.
0: Oh, so you're not out of the horse thing. You're still you're still knee deep oh, yeah, in horses. I'm,
4: I'm in the horse yeah. business, but my endurance horses have all passed, and all in horsey heaven and um i've rescued several i have a great big 16 hand appaloosa but i'm not currently riding him
3: uh-huh. and
4: anyway we're still doing all the things feeding twice a day vet clinics and worming and all of that
0: well, wow. congratulations on a, uh, a really an amazing lifetime. Uh, you, the amount of miles you've gone and and the uh, the things you've seen are things that most people will never get to see. So, uh, so good good on good on you for that. It's Trilby, and uh, she did over sixty thousand miles. And as we said at the beginning of the interview, she's a quarter way to the moon. So, uh-huh.
3: <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, Trilby.
0: Appreciate oh, it. You, all right, take care. Thank you all. <clears throat> well, there you go. That's a that's a lifetime. She still has fifteen horses outside.
3: I know, isn't it great? And just think, she didn't start riding till she was forty eight.
0: I know, and put and she all those still miles in.
3: Did sixty thousand and some miles? That's... And she
0: used to just fly around with her saddle and throw it on whatever <laughs> horse was there. <laughs> Whatever horse she could find. I'm just going to ride that one.
3: (laughs) Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So do we have our next guest ready? Okay. Well, great. We'll just go to to our next guest then. Nick Warhol, who is an endurance writer in the West region. He's been writing endurance since about 1991, and he's got close to 12,000 miles, and he's going to join us this morning to talk about um, a a toxic weed that they found in their hay that led to some problems with their horses, unfortunately. Um, Good morning, Nick. Hi. Hi. Well, let's go ahead and and give us a little bit of an overview about what happened with uh, this uh, weed called common
5: groundsel. Yeah, that's the guy. Oh geez! Um, okay. So it, we had the, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. We bought our annual mm-hmm. hay from a hay grower in the Northern California area, and we fed hay, grass hay, to our horses for a year and a half, which is about how long our, our batch of hay our hay lasts. And one mm-hmm. of our newest horse, we had a new mare that we bought two years ago. She suddenly got sick and went uh, straight downhill. And from the time we noticed the first symptom to the time she had to be euthanized was about six and a half weeks. It was that oh. fast.
1: Wow. And
5: we took, we took her to UC Davis to help us figure it out and they it was too late for her. They had to put her down. And the necropsy resulted in a alkaloid toxicity poisoning, which is consistent with feeding a horse a poison weed over time, like star thistle or this uh-huh. thing called common ground. So which is what, what bit us. Um, the, the sad part of that story was that it was, it happened so fast and we didn't know what was going on because there were no symptoms until we started seeing the symptoms and then it was too late for, her. uh, we lost that horse, which was hard enough because she was a real nice horse. Mm-hmm. And the folk, our focus then shifted to the rest of the horses that had then at UC Davis said, were the other horses eating this hay? And we said, yes, yeah, all five of them. He said, we oh, need boy. to save them. So we took blood from all five of the other horses, and, of course, they were all affected, some more than others. Uh, one named Wabi was higher than the rest of them. And all of them were affected, all the way from our 32-year-old first horse named Morpain to my 5,000-mile horse, almost 6,000-mile horse, Donnie, who was my, my superstar horse. Uh-huh. All were affected. So we had to spend six months treating them. Uh, the prescription was no forced exercise, meaning... You have to put them in the past or let them stand. Uh-huh. And medica- medications twice a day for th- seven days a week.
0: What did they give um, them for seven, that? I'm curious what, what medications. Do you know? Well, there
5: yeah, there's three. The first and most important was a liver um, medication called Denimarin, which is used to promote liver uh, recovery. It was designed for dogs originally, but they use it in horses. Uh, the second was a pentoxifiline, which is a, uh, a drug to help, different things in the uh, circulatory system of the horse, and then vitamin E, a lot of vitamin E, was the third one. And the, the hairy part about the treatment was the only way you can tell what's going on with the horses is blood work. And this is what the reason we lost the mare was because we didn't take blood from her and see what was happening until it was too late. So we put the horses on medications, and every two weeks we did a blood test for six months.
1: <laughs> wow. to change.
5: And we would modify the dosage of the drugs based on the results of the blood tests every two weeks. So, and these were a lot of pills. This was, uh, the denimarin was between 9 and 15 pills per horse based on their body weight and where their blood was, and mm-hmm. the contoxic lean was between 10 and 20 pills. So we had cases and cases and thousands and thousands of pills that we had to administer
0: mm-hmm. every day, twice and a I day. And I imagine they weren't the cheapest in the world. Seventeen thousand dollars for the vacation for, for oh, five horses gosh. for six months. Oh my gosh! Thirteen
5: thousand plus another six six thousand for blood tests, and uh, you know it was it was a very expensive ordeal. But wow. the um, the scary part was we came within a week of losing another horse, Wabi, our twenty uh, two year old Arab, who's kind of semi retired. He got really really sick and went into the same symptoms as the mare. And I'd even called U.C. Davis about euthanization, being euthanized, uh, because we were we vowed, my wife and I vowed, we weren't going to put another horse through the misery that the mare went through. It was Mm -hmm. worst experience, worst experience I've ever had with a horse when we lost her. So Wabi, but he made a miraculous recovery. He was within a week of going, and he turned it around, started eating, and made a recovery because of the medications. And the Davis people were so good. They said you have to treat the horse for six months with these medications, and in six months, one or two things will happen. He'll live or he won't. <laughs> it's very oh, binary. There, there wasn't any other choice because there, this this, this toxicity affects the liver. Uh-huh. And on the mare, it, it, it killed off the liver uh-huh. on the mare, and she died. And the horse can't survive very long without a liver.
0: How, how much medication does medic- it take? How much do they have to eat?
5: About 3 and 4% of the horse's body weight over time is what does it. And so they So have if horses you get- 8 Let me just
0: uh, say this, then. If you get one bale of hay, uh, and I realize you're not a vet, okay, but you you certainly probably know more about this than most people now, unfortunately. Um, But if you get Mm -hmm. one bale of hay in this and so the chances are maybe it won't be a problem. But if you're feeding, you you got a truckload, and it's in every bale, then that's where you're going to run into trouble?
5: Well, that's exactly what happened. And we bought the hay from a hay grower in the Bay Area. Who It was a special field that hay growers lease fields to process hay and harvest it, and he got this hay from a special place. It was beautiful hay. It was fabulous. Grass hay. It's kind of the nicest hay we've ever seen, and it was inexpensive, which is why, you know, I I, title my story, How Not to Save Money on Hay. (laughs) Um, If you, my wife was speculating that everyone asks, well, did anyone else have the problem? They must have, you must have heard of someone else having this problem, and they only got a thousand bales of hay from this pasture, and I got 250 of them, and if the other... Seven hundred fifty went to a feed store, where, like you said, you disperse it bale by bale. No one would ever even notice. Or
0: maybe they went because, to cows, you know, or something that didn't have the same right, effect.
5: Right. Yeah, and wow. exactly. And so, and so, it was uh, just sheer horrible unluck. And the the funny part is, uh, UC Davis, they when when they started to see the uh, the results and the problems, uh, he knew it was hay. And I said, "How could it be hay? It's bad little hay. You know, we are get hay. Here. How could it be hay?" And he, we brought up three bales of hay. He said, please tell me you have some left. Please, please, please. I said, yeah, I got, still have 25 bales. And I kept it because it was such nice hay. I was going to keep it for treats or for rides and such. And <laughs> <laughs> So I brought up three bales of hay, and we they went through this this um, chain of, of uh, control testing procedure where we went out and photographed us opening the bales of hay and taking the, the hay out of the middle of the flake and put it in sealed bags and signing it and all this stuff for all this legal reasons, which was really smart. And he looked at the hay and opened it up and said, there it is. I see your weed. He pulled it right out. He said, there it is. And it's, it's in the hay, and you can see it if you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. But you can't once you're not. It's, it's almost invisible. And yet you can see it. It's is very small. Is it distinctive?
0: Small. The thing... Is it distinctive looking? No.
5: It has little, it looks like alfalfa. It looks like dried alfalfa. it's in grass hay. Usually it grows in alfalfa, but it looks very much like dried alfalfa. But it's got a little stupid flower about a quarter of an inch high. And it's green when it's green and yellow, like a little miniature dandelion when it's growing. But when it's Mm -hmm. dried, it's white. And I I have these bales of hay, and if I open them up and pick through them, I can find it. And it's there. But you would never, ever have noticed it unless you, uh, the horses, I mean, you would never notice it unless you knew what you're looking for. And, of course, the Davis guys did. And so, of course, the hay went off to the lab to get tested, and it came back positive on all the samples, and the necropsy matched it, so it, it made it an open and shut case as to what happened. So, that's the um, the I learned an awful lot about hay <laughs> and poison and legal stuff.
0: Do you take each flake out now and spread it out around on the ground, studying it with a microscope? No, no,
5: no, 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 no. no. My my takeaways. Think I this, would? <laughs> uh, <literally, laughs> well, no, almost. <laughs> my takeaways from this, I have a couple. One, I learned a lot about the legal system, and how to. I actually ended up getting all my, all my money back—my thirty-three thousand dollars from the insurance company. I won my case out of court, which was good. Now, th- that was this against the
0: person out. who provided the hay? Yeah. yeah okay.
5: Yeah, and thank goodness. Thank goodness they had an insurance company. Yeah, I was going to say because most local Turner.
0: farmers, if you bought it straight from the farm, you're not going to have that luxury. Absolutely, right. absolutely.
5: So the things I the things I learned are. Uh, when you're buying hay, buy it from a reputable place. And if it's not certified weed free, I'm going to find out what's in it. I'm going to test my hay. Every, every batch of hay I buy from now on, I'm going to have it tested. Just make sure I know what's in it. I'm not going to take it to chance anymore. I'm going to know what's there.
0: You know, that's and that's fact, easy though if you're buying a couple hundred bales like you are at a time. We buy, yes, you is. know, we buy, you know, five bales at a time. Uh, you know, yep. we by the time we had it tested, it would be gone. So that's tougher. Yeah,
5: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the other thing you can do, though, you can, you can spread out your purchases a little bit. You can buy from multiple places, which will lessen your likelihood a little bit of it, but still not good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm testing my hey, hay because we buy the 250 bills a year.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And, but the most important thing, the most important thing I learned is that uh, I've always said throughout my endurance career that the horse will tell you what's going on. If you know your horse like I know my horse, you know, I can read him like a book and you know, I know exactly what he's doing all the time based on his behavior and how he's acting. It's not good enough. We didn't know what was happening until it was too late. And the only way you'll know is by blood tests. Ah. So every four months, we're we're pulling blood on our horses and having it checked full panel from now on through eternity. So we'll know what's happening inside them. That's the only way we could have saved the mirror.
0: Is there there any... um, I'm getting a question from one of the listeners to give the name Mm -hmm. of the weed again. And where is it located? Okay yeah the, the name of this uh the, the the problem child it's ground cell yeah right
5: yeah. the the weed is called common
0: ground cell ground cell okay G-R-O-U-N-D-S-E-L is how it's spelled yeah. groundsel yeah ground s e l right mm-hmm. yeah and is and this all over the country or in a certain location or
5: well you'd be amazed it grows all over the country and all over california but it's all it's all over the country and it's um it's very prevalent in california it loves growing in alfalfa hay the best and um, grass hay is second best. It doesn't grow in oat hay very often, but it likes the alfalfa and the grass hay.
0: And uh, Jennifer, and if you could post on Facebook a picture of the groundsel, that would be great.
2: Yeah, it, it kind of looks a little bit like a uh, harmless a dandelion. 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 Dandelion,
5: yeah. The picture it looks it looks, it looks like a miniature dandelion. It, it grows it four and four and twelve inches high. Uh, it doesn't get real big. We have it growing. In we, we can find it growing in our in our on our property if we look for it. You can see it. It also likes disturbed ground like uh, poppies. You know, it likes to grow in ground that isn't the greatest, which, thank you, California, that's one of California's
0: what it's good for. There's very few things that grow, but that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. yeah Great. exactly. Um, so now, do you, so these horses, are they totally okay now? Can you ride them and use them, or not?
5: Well, yeah, the good, the good news is that, uh, like I said, one of two things will happen. The, the horse will either not make it, or the liver will reverse itself and be fine. And uh, the the I'm I'm giving a presentation at the endurance conference on this that has a really some amazing information about. I have uh, charted every blood test we did for the like, six months, and you can see the symptoms correlated with the blood and what the horse is doing based on their GGT level, which is a liver enzyme that we were measuring to test this thing. And the horses that have made it, their their levels. Uh, really briefly, the normal GGT level for a horse is between 15 and 39 that's the normal level. And my Donnie was 15 when we took his blood three years ago or some other thing. Uh, the mare died at 480. Whoa. Uh, GGT. And wow. Wabi got to, Wobby got to 500 before, and he, he made a comeback. And so we, it was like the barometer. We would measure this blood enzyme every two weeks and you could see what the horse is doing. So that the charts show that the blood enzymes going up, 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 up in my, along with my stress level. <laughs> and, uh, that, but they, they all got to different values and heights based on a bunch of really interesting information. The fitter the horse is, the better off they are. The younger the horse is, the worse off they are. The more of the poison, they, of course, the more of the poison they ate, the worse they were. So you look at Warpaint, the 32-year-old Appy whose teeth are all expired. He didn't eat as much because he eats Elk Grove Mills pellets and equine senior. But he uh-huh. plays with the hay, and so he ate enough of the hay to make him a little bit sick. His numbers mm-hmm. went up to a certain point, and then he recovered, and he was fine. Uh, my Donnie, who I was competing on the whole time, he free feeds. He's, he has food in front of him 24 hours a day, and he got way more different types of food. I give him grains and mashes and different hay and alfalfa and oat hay, and I just give him all the food, so he ate less of the bad hay by percentage than the other two did. And so his levels went up to a certain height and then recovered, and he went back down over the six months. The other two horses that got really sick are the equine vacuum cleaners who you put in a stall to clean up everyone else's hay because they eat every speck, and those guys consumed most of it. And mm-hmm. it shows because they got, they got the sickest. So it's really interesting to see how each horse was affected differently based on how much of this stuff they consumed. So it's kind of a neat uh, a neat thing to see. Well, but now that they they've have all recovered,
3: recovered, Nick, are they going to have any long-lasting you know, repercussions from this?
5: Yes. What ends up happening is this, this alkaloid toxicity is a progressive thing, meaning uh, the liver, think of the liver as a sponge, and a sponge holds X amount of water. you got this sponge in your hand it's full of water, and that's how much it holds. But well, what this toxicity does is it's like taking a scissor and snipping off a little teeny piece of your sponge or your liver each time. It creates scar tissue in the liver. And the more affected you are, the more scar tissue you have in your liver, meaning the less the liver can process. So. The horses that were the two that were really affected, they're done with use. Their their livers have probably been affected enough that their new level, their new GGT level, will be higher. They'll have enough liver for them to live, but you certainly couldn't compete on them anymore.
3: Okay.
1: And
5: thank good, thank goodness, my dining horse. His he's now back down to uh, 19, so he's only four points above where he was in his normal point a few years ago. And when we get our next blood test in two more weeks, we'll. I'm, hoping he'll be down a little bit more. But Donnie did an endurance ride. He did a 53 weeks ago um, as his comeback ride, and he blew through it and did beautifully, and his level was down yet again another point after the ride right. to 19. So so I'm pretty convinced that he's fine. Uh, the other ones are going to survive and be okay, but, again, they, could not do, they probably can't do endurance again because their livers will have been compromised enough by this mess that you wouldn't want to risk it with them.
3: Wow. So what were the first symptoms that you saw that alerted you to the problem?
5: Well, it's really interesting because the horse did her first 50 with my wife on her at the 20-mule team 50 a year ago. So we gave the horse, and she did great. She did beautifully. Now, she did the whole thing while she was sick, and we didn't know it. Uh, We gave her three weeks off after the ride, and I took her out for a training ride about a month after the ride, I took her saddle off. We did a 20 mile ride, had a real nice time and I took the saddle off and a friend of mine said, Nick, your horse looks a little thin. Is she, is she losing weight? And I looked at her and I said, you know, yeah, she looks a little bit thin. And she lost about 150 to 200 pounds in six weeks because without wow. a liver, even when they're eating the liver, they can't, it doesn't, nothing happens. You know, even though she was eating, we figured she just wasn't eating enough. We put her in a nice weighted pan, let her eat her all her own food. And she just, the weight just came pouring off her. And, that was the start with the weight loss. We, we puzzled over that for a while. But remember, it, it took six weeks from the time I noticed that till she was down. So she was put down. It happened so fast. And yeah. she had all kinds of other symptoms, a really ugly other symptoms. Um, it just, it, the weight loss was the first noticeable one, and it just, it, the weight came off by day by day. We were like, what is going on here?
0: And the weird thing is, I mean, that there are a lot of other things that cause that, so I mean...
5: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, and 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 you know the only thing that in retrospect, I look back now and thought, "Well, what if I had taken her to Davis today? I noticed that she was losing weight. It wouldn't have helped because she was so far gone because mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do for a, the worst thing you can do for a horse with a liver is she was exercise, <laughs> and so we're doing endurance on her,' yeah. it's like, oh, God, oh Jesus so uh, she had a corrupt liver, she was sick, and we're doing endurance on her, and it bit her in because that's what happens and so uh, that's why the, the the treatment is take them off the poison. You know, duh. Get them. You do not force exercise them. If they want to stand under a tree for six months, that's what they get to do. But no forced exercise, and then the medications, and then it will take its course or not. That was really kind of a, a an amazing repair.
3: Well, is this something that horses like to eat?
5: No, the ground
3: Because I looked it I up, like up and it is a fairly common thing that.
5: No, the thing, it's like it's like the other toxic weeds in that the horses won't, generally won't eat poison unless they have to. If you mm. have a pasture with green grass, the horses will eat the grass. If the horse starts to starve, then they'll start eating the bad stuff. Uh, but they won't eat it unless they absolutely need to. It's just based on their on the, you know their instincts. But when you force feed it to them without them knowing it, which is what we did, then um, there you go. That's that's how it, ends, how it ends up happening. But they won't eat it. If there's food to be had, they won't eat it, which is a good thing.
3: Okay. Because I know it's just like with fiddleneck. When it's growing in with the grass and the horses grab bites of it, they can't help but get some of
5: it. Exactly, but they won't choose it. They'll get some of it, but they won't choose it.
3: Right, right, exactly. Wow, wow.
0: Well, I, I, uh, I'm sorry Dad, that you had to go through this, and you certainly have become an expert on this particular topic, probably more than most people in the country. Um, yeah, boy. much
5: to my chagrin, but yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, well, and I'm glad that, you know, at least uh, it worked out. a majority it, of the horses are going to make it through. Um,
5: yeah, yeah, that was the relief. It was a very stressful six months. It was the worst. We've been doing horses for 25 years, and it was the by and, far nothing had even come And close also, to congratulations
0: on being one of the very few people in the world that Susan wins.
5: Uh, well, I sell I sell a of court, and one of my one of my favorite parts of the, my whole story, my presentation, is the legal piece. What I learned about the legal piece of this, because of course the insurance company denied my claim the first time, and I came back at them, and I won, and it was really a, a, an interesting experience too. But I had I, I had an open and shut case, and you just have to convince the right people of that, and, and it was a, that was a, a, an interesting. That took the sting out a little bit of the whole thing. is... I wasn't prepared for that kind of money because my mare was insured. Don't get me started on horse insurance companies because she was insured until we took her up to Davis for some diagnostics. And then once I used the insurance once, of course, they cancel your policy because they do. So she wasn't even insured after this because I Uh made the mistake of using my insurance one time.
0: (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. uh, this makes a 100-mile ride look easy, huh? Oh, God, yes. (laughs) <laughs> God, yes. and we're going to end on that Oh, yeah. Thank, oh, thank Nick, you, Nick. I'm so sorry
3: you, you had to go through this and that your horses had to go through
5: this yeah but you know the, the good news is and you know, I say this with a kind of tongue in cheek you know we, we had the five horses were sick uh, the four horses were sick and the one my, my horse Donnie was the one that you know I I, I couldn't lose him to this it wasn't an option and I'm, I'm asking Davis can we do a liver transplant can I fly him to New Zealand or something Did, you know what can Aww. we do we have to do something and and the other the other ones would have been a tragic loss, but I I couldn't lose him to this. And 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 the the best news of the day is that he's back and fine. So that's really all that matters to me is that I was able to say to him that was a tough time there when he was sick. That was not not a good time.
3: Right, right. Well, I'm glad he had a happy ending.
5: Yep, he does. Thank goodness, at least so far.
3: That's good. Thanks, good. Nick. Well, well, thank you, Nick, for telling your story. And for those that would like to learn more about this, Nick's going to be presenting at the AARC National Convention in Reno on uh, February. Is, are you going to be on uh, Saturday or Friday?
5: Nick? Friday at 11. And Friday at 11. And, and my vet is going to join me as well. Uh, Dr. Oh, Carol on who okay. learned a lot. and. If it wasn't for these guys, I like couldn't, my vet and UC Davis, you know, that wouldn't have been impossible. Everyone was so amazing. It's just, uh, without these people, uh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> Whoa.
3: Oh, good. So that's February 19th at the Grand Sierra Resort in Reno. Mm-hmm. And,
5: right. and thank and you, Nick. I him. The- I even have samples of it. Hey, I'm bringing in bags for oh. people to look at. Look at oh, this.
3: good. The, look good. Yes, I'd look like to weed. see. It I'd like
5: Not to the see kind
0: this. of show and tell you want to have to do when you go to school. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. That's for sure. <laughs> but, but at least, you know, if, if uh, somebody else can uh, know what's happening and figure it out quicker, that, that's, it all. Well, it makes it all worth in,
5: it. Exactly. The intent of my story is to educate and inform, just like the, the pilot magazines where they profile a, a fatal crash in the back. It's kind of morbid to read about, but it's the best way for pilots to learn about what not to do, you know, what mistakes other people make that kill them. And that's basically what I'm, I just, if I can say, keep one person from going through this, it would be worth it.
3: Exactly.
0: Thanks, Nick. Exactly. Appreciate well, thank it. you, Nick. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Wow. What a tough road. I know.
3: Isn't it, though, you just have to appreciate what horse people and endurance riders will do for their horses?
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm so glad he won that uh, court case and actually followed it up and didn't, you know, go, oh, well, you know, Uh, Uh we we weren't talking a small amount of money. And, you know, it it was sold with the bad stuff in it. That's up to the hay grower to determine that. Uh, But he's also lucky he bought it from a place that even had insurance. So, you know, he was fortunate there, too.
3: Exactly. Ugh. Exactly.
0: But oh, God. There are so many damn things that'll kill a horse. I, I'm telling <laughs> you what, they just keep finding, inventing new things every day that horses will get sick from.
3: I know. They're so fragile. <laughs> they really just are.
0: Like, uh, you know, I think those bubble wrap suits that we talked about designing are perfect. Uh, I perfect. know. Except
3: yeah. that I always figured that they'll end up sweating in them and then getting some <laughs> sort of a fungus <laughs> infection, and that'll kill them. <laughs> <laughs> We need breathable bubble wrap.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. Or
3: we'll else they'll, they'll roll and then start popping the bubble wrap, <laughs> which will so spook, well. them spook them and they'll run through around. a fence or something, you know?
0: <laughs> All right. What's, what's in the upcoming events section?
3: Upcoming events. Let's <laughs> see here. Free park days on federal land this weekend. The BLM and the. U.S. Forest Service is having uh, fee-free days, February 13th through the 15th. And the forest, oh, okay, that's BLM and the uh, Fish and Wildlife. And then the Forest Service is having a fee-free day on February 15th. So go out and ride, hike, bike, or clean trails this weekend. You can do it for free.
0: Sounds good.
3: And we have the AERC National Convention, which we just mentioned, um, where Nick will be presenting uh, his story about uh, the um, toxicity with his horses and the weeds. Uh, There will be a lot of interesting speakers there for two days.
0: Who's doing the keynote? Do you know?
3: Um, there's a, there's a several different speakers. They have different veterinarians that are coming and talking about different issues, lameness and ophthalmology, uh, acupuncture, I think, and chiropractic. They're covering all sorts of different topics. Um, they've got hot topic seminars. Uh, they've got awards, banquets, and presentations, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. There's a trade show where there's uh vendors where you can meet Kristen from Distance Depot will be there. Uh, Renegade Hoof Boots is going to be there, and uh, it's just a lot of Uh, a fun time to get to go and see everybody. The trade show is free for those that are anywhere in the area that would like to come to the Grand Sierra Resort in Reno on the 19th and 20th of this month and do some shopping. There's also a a used tax sale that you can, you know, go in and look and and save some money there buying used stuff because as endurance riders, we tend to want to, um, you know, hoard things and collect more stuff than we need. So every year people go and bring all their used stuff to us. Are you bringing a truckload? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am bringing a bunch. I even have the office email or mail me in the mail a bunch of tags so I can get them filled out ahead of time. <laughs> so and, that.
0: Well, I I now could. I know one thing you're not bringing to get rid of, and that is your Renegade Hoof Boots, because you use those until they're worn out. I do.
3: I do. I love my renegades. And for those that are interested in them, go to renegadehoofboots.com. They are made in the United States. They come in several different colors. They're working on some new colors, actually, too, which I've seen, which are, uh, I guess I can maybe let the cat out of the bag a little bit early, Um, but they're working on pink and blue in addition to all the other colors that they've got, uh, which is kind of an exciting thing. But yes, the Renegades are a a, a nice... um, Uh, alternative for those that want to keep their horses barefoot. And that's what I've been doing for several years now with my horses and using the renegades. Uh, They go on really easy. And I've mentioned before, I've got a 10 year old junior riding uh, my horse, Bo, and she is already proficient in putting his boots on and taking them off. And so uh, that just tells you there that they're easy to use. They're not so difficult that you can't do it if a 10-year-old can, right?
0: Right, right. Yeah, and you know what? Some of the boots are difficult to get on and off. So that's important, especially if you ride a lot or, you know, every day putting them on and off, it gets to be a pain in the butt.
3: Exactly. So, yeah. And you only need, you know, and you, right. And you use them when you need to. So if you're going out and you're riding on good footing and, and you don't need the boots that day, then you don't need to use them. Uh, uh, and then when you know you're going on a longer ride or a ride where the footing is bad, you just... Put them on and off you go. And uh, the horses do really good in them. I mean, I've done uh, Tevis in them. I've done, you know, thousands of miles of endurance riding in them.
0: Now, I am looking at the schedule here for the conference coming. Oh, and that's renegadehoofboots.com is where you'll mm-hmm. find those. I'm looking at the schedule for the conference coming up on February 18th, 19th, 20th. And one of the sessions is, but I read it online, debunking online myths.
3: Right, that <laughs> sounds that like one. Susan Carlinghouse. <laughs> I love that one. Exactly. <laughs> yes, because you read stuff, you know, on yeah. Facebook, so it must be true, it must right? Be true. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, there's, there's here's another
0: one. How not to save money on hay. That <laughs> ties right into ex- it. I
3: think Nick learned that lesson, yeah, I unfortunately, think, yeah. the hard way. Except I
0: don't think he did. I don't think that was what the problem there was.
3: He didn't save any money, did no, he? No,
0: he didn't. <laughs> didn't save money at all. I noticed there's a lot of cocktail receptions. I did notice that. Uh, at the <laughs> well, ARC they are convention.
3: endurance riders, you know, <laughs> so...
0: Yeah, so that's great. I can't. So, next month you'll be able to give us a report. Yes. Tell us how much money you made selling your crap. I know. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Enough to pay for, you know, uh, some ride entries, maybe.
0: (laughs) Now, you can do interviews while you're there. Just grab your uh, smartphone and just hit the record button. Every smartphone has a recorder on it. Okay. Uh, you can get some mobile interviews. We want to hear some interviews from there, you know, preferably at the bar because that's where all the good stuff comes out. That'll so, be more fun. Yes, exactly. That's where yes, the, yes. the good stories pop out.
3: So, yes. You, you know, the only thing with the, the convention and trade show is that they cram pack so much stuff into such a short period of time. It, you almost don't have enough time to do everything that you want to do when you're there.
0: You know, it's funny because uh, when we go to the podcasting ones, they tend to allow more time between the sessions because you have a whole, th- you have a thousand people there who like to talk. I mean, that's uh-huh. what they do for a living, <laughs> right? So, so they allow more time between sessions. So you actually have more talky time. Uh,
3: well, that's, so. well, tell us what you're doing tonight, Glenn.
0: Oh yeah, I'm doing a blab tonight. Actually, if listeners want to stop by, that would be fun. I'm actually hosting this one. Now, Blab is a online if you haven't tr- seen one yet. It's blab.im um, I, I think. Let me look it up. <laughs> blab.im. There's all these uh, dots now that you know dot this dot that that are all different now, but it's blab.im. You actually can come on and you, p- there's four people on video. So you see four it's like a podcast only video. Okay. Um, and then people can come in and watch and then people can hop out of one of the seats. They're called seats on the video and somebody else can hop in. You just have to have like a laptop with a camera or, or something. Uh, and then we're doing one tonight. It's, it's the pre pod fest. That's our big, uh, big conference coming up here at the end of the month. The one month, the one I'm keynoting at, uh, for podcasters. So tonight we're talking podcasting with a couple of, uh, podcasters and Helena's is going to be joining me. I'm hosting for the first time, and Helena is going to be joining me from the Stable Scoop show. She's hopping mm. in there, and we're going to be talking about the uh, five biggest mistakes people make when podcasting, so uh, oh, cool. that, that's the topic tonight, I will have to, <clears throat> and we've look. made them all, haven't we, Jennifer? Uh, so uh, through the years, we've made them all, so we know a little bit about them.
3: <laughs> that's right. Well, I just, I'm still always impressed that you put on as many shows as, as you do in a week.
0: Yeah, we, and so are the other podcasters, because <laughs> they do one a week, and they're you know, trying to edit it, and make it perfect, and we're like, see, that's the key. You don't try and make it perfect. You try and make it real, and I think that's the difference. You know, we're going, okay, well, that was a pretty good show. You know, that was pretty good, and they're over there trying to edit it to death, and right, uh, right. You know, we just put it out because we're horse people. We don't have time for you know, perfection.
3: Exactly, uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's just, that's the fun of why I like doing this, because we're just talking about horses. That's right. You know, it's it's a real thing. And you we know don't what? I find it or... all
0: fascinating. I, you know, I probably am the, you know, I joke about not knowing much, and I, you know, I act dumb a lot. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I've interviewed almost myself probably over 4,000 people. So wow. I probably know, more, and in, in every aspect of the horse world. Mm-hmm. So I probably know a little bit more about, you know, everything in the horse world than most people. Uh, and that's one of the cool things about doing this job, you know, is you do get to talk to people like Nick, you know. you, you know, I often get asked, you know, who's who's the biggest celebrity you've interviewed and all of that? We've interviewed some big-name people, you know, in and out of the horse sure. world. But mm-hmm. yet, it's the guys like Nick who are so passionate about a particular topic because he was forced into it in this case. But, you know, those are the really, really interesting interviews. Right, right. Right. And, you know, we're doing a series now, and if you have not listened, you should. Over on Stable Scoop, we're doing a series now. See, you got me going, Karen. You started it. Um, <laughs> you got me. We're doing a series called The Year of the Listener on Stable Scoop uh, right now, and we've done three of them so far, which our main guest on Stable Scoop, we still do our little segments, but our main guest every week is a listener, and because we think every listener has a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And it has been so fascinating, and it it is held true. The first three we've had have been terrific, and every one of them has a story to tell so i get more excited about those than i do the the big names Uh that we have on just because it is so cool to just get to know people you know it is and we all have stories right we've all lived through stuff we've all if you've had horses for any amount of time you have stories to tell
3: you sure do you sure do i know mine right now are like you we're asking earlier about how much i've been riding and i haven't been riding that much because of the weather and all the mud and the snow and my horses are bored bo has figured out not only how to undo the latch on the stall doors but he is now getting carabiners off of the latches that are clipped on i mean he must just sit there for hours fiddling around with that thing but he's got it figured out how to get darn carabiner or any kind of clip i use he gets them off unlatches the door lets himself out (laughs) takes the lid off of my oak grove barrels and feeds himself
0: (laughs) well there you go he saves you time he's saving time does he help feed the other horses or does he keep it all to himself
3: no he lets chief out with him you know (laughs) yeah because you know it's more
0: fun if there's a party
3: yeah like if i'm even five minutes late and i go out there chief will be in the hay pile And Bo will have his head in the Elk Grove barrel. (laughs) And they'd see me coming and they both turn around and just calmly walk right back into the barn (laughs) where they know they're supposed to be, you know. And it's like, well, you know, it's your fault. You were late.
0: I gotta say too, Jennifer, we're gonna have to have you talk about your flower hackamore tomorrow from Zilko. Uh, she's she. We posted a picture of her riding her quarter horse, and you know, she does long trail rides and stuff. And she uses this uh, contraption that not a lot of people have seen. So a
3: contraption.
0: <laughs> it is a contraption. contraption. Um, I is, think
3: I saw a picture of yeah, that. I thought it kind of looks, looks like kind of cool looking. It does.
0: Well, we'll talk about that in tomorrow's show. So if any of the endurance riders want to come back, this would be something that uh, you could you could use on an Arabian. It would be interesting too. So
3: well, we're. Always looking for stuff that makes the horse comfortable, so they can eat and drink yeah, easily. Yeah, this is, that, this yeah. is
0: an inter- It is an interesting piece of equipment, uh, but Jennifer, you'll have to plan time into tomorrow's schedule to talk about it. Okay. Well,
3: especially anything that's called a contraption. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what it's called. It's called the Flower Hackamore Contraption from Zoco. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it does look. It's an interesting piece of equipment. Also well, so technical. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> That's right. All right. uh, That's it for today. Thank you so much, Karen, for joining us. We really appreciate you being here once a month to talk endurance. And uh, we'll get a complete report on the uh, convention and hopefully a a couple of interviews from the bar. So uh we'll we'll look forward to hearing the clinking of glasses on, okay. on, on next month's episode. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with Jamie on horses in the morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. And Karen, give real quick, give your website.
3: dot uh, KarenChatton.com. Karen and I've upgraded my uh hosting account recently so now when people go to my blog it's not going to crash it's actually going to stay online (laughs) and so i've started uh, blogging again more regularly
0: people can actually see it it's more fun to write it is that what you're saying
3: it
1: is
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) all right bye everybody be safe